Hello, my name is Scott McFarlane, and for the past 35 years, I've been a volunteer. For over a decade, I served as a director of community service and volunteerism for the states of Illinois and then Missouri. And now I work for a national nonprofit that places volunteers all over the country. I've had the wonderful chance to meet some amazing people who are working day in and day out to make this world a little better for all of us. Now I want to introduce some of them to you. Please join me as we explore this volunteer life. Hello, everybody. This is Scott. Welcome to another episode of This Volunteer Life. I'm so excited to introduce you today to a good friend of mine, Karen Malden Curtis, or as she prefers to be called, KMC. She served in the Peace Corps, and after that service, she found her way to Macomb, Illinois, and Western Illinois University, where she now oversees their AmeriCorps Peace Corps Fellows Program, where she takes other volunteers who served in the Peace Corps, places them in rural communities all over the state of Illinois as AmeriCorps members and they work to build economic impact in those communities while also working on a master's degree from WIU. Karen has impacted lives all over the country and all over the world. She's an amazing individual, and I'm looking forward to hearing from her today. Enjoy. Okay, I'm, I'll, I'm in. Go ahead. Cool. So one thing we do to start out this is to ask everybody, um, a little bit about yourself, and then also, uh, what's your first volunteer experience that you remember? Okay, so a um, little bit about myself. Um, I I was born in South America. I was born in Venezuela, uh, raised in Bogota, Colombia. So um, my first, um, those formative years were in, in Latin America and Bogota. My, my father was North American, my mother Colombian. We were just raised in a bilingual, bicultural family. So that, um, that was, in, you know, influential to who I, I am and who I'm becoming, I think still, um, just that appreciation for lots of ways of thinking and being, um, and communicating in the world. Um, I, I know that I, I was actually in the scouts as well. I was a brownie in, uh, while well, still in, in a brownie troop in Colombia in Bogota. And we did have, um, service projects there. And I, if I remember correctly, they would have been primarily based in our school. Um, so that was, if I think back, probably the first time I volunteered is, is probably it was a, a school cleanup beautification kind of event. Um, but in terms of uh, maybe where I had more of the, the, the choice or the direct um, service um, really started um I'm embarrassed to say it was in college and not in high school. I know I did service in high school, probably as part of groups or clubs I was with, but a really meaningful service that I actively sought took place in, in college. I went to school at um, University of California, San Diego. And um, I'll say that at about 10, I transitioned to the States. My, my parents split up long stories. I ended up in Southern California with um, living with my father and, and three sisters. Um, and so I went to school in, in Southern California through high school, college. There was there was a service project, a, a service opportunity to, uh, because we were so close to the U.S.-Mexican border in, in Tijuana in Mexico. And so there, um, 
there was a group that was, that was working with an orphanage. And so we would go down on weekends and um, help to clean up space and set up activities for children in an orphanage. And um, it was just very impactful. And I had seen extreme poverty in Colombia. I did not grow up in poverty. I grew up in wealth and privilege. Um, my father worked for an American petroleum company and we were in private schools and I lived in, in lots of comfort. And I was aware of the disparity because in Colombia there were, there was a lot of poverty. And so I, I had seen that as a young child and that made an impression on me. And, um, so in college, when we were in Mexico, um, it, it, it worked serving with that orphanage again, just made an impression. I remember going to the, the, the landfill, the, the trash dump in Tijuana and, um, families, children live there cleaning. I mean, you know, working through the trash to pick up bits that they might sell or use. And, and, uh, that was just a reminder of just the disparity and the gap in, um, in health and security and access to all the things. Right. And so, um, so that, that, that was really, uh, an impactful service experience. And that was early in my college years. And so I continued to do that during service. Um, we also worked with literacy campaigns with schools, young children, um, after school programs. Um, so did that. Um, and then I applied to Peace Corps my senior year in college. And what I'll say about my earlier years in Columbia, and again, being aware of that disparity, um, is that it didn't, it didn't go away for me. And I remember moving to the States it, and it was, it was about 1980. So I'm date, dating myself. I was about 10 and uh, seeing a television commercial that the Peace Corps had, they don't have these on. Well, I don't know. I don't have a TV, but I don't know if they had these commercials any longer, but at the time they had, they would run commercials. And um, I saw a commercial from the Peace Corps and it was, you know, a slow moving river in an African village somewhere. And the 800 number came across the bottom of the screen and it said, you know, the toughest job you'll ever love. And I looked up and I, announced to nobody in particular and everybody in the room in my house at the time saying, I'm going to do that. I was 10. I saw that commercial and I wanted to be part of what I at the time perceived to be a solution. So I, um, that was tucked away in there somewhere. And then senior year of college, I'm at a, at a graduate school fair on campus and I'm picking up applications for all the, the PhD programs I knew I was going to go and apply to. And I stopped by the Peace Corps booth and I picked up that application. I, at the time, again, mind you, this is 1991. So things were still in paper and we still (laughs) typed things on electric typewriters. Back in the day. (laughs) Back in the day, not quite a stick with dirt, but let's just say, right? Just some perspective. Um, But I picked up that application and there was just calm over me. You know, I was anxious about the graduate school application process and I was anxious about, you know, like everybody, what am I going to do next year? What am I, where am I going to take this? You know, my, my goals, my dreams, my education, all of that. And I picked up that application and I knew I was applying, I was going to get accepted and I was going to serve in Peace Corps. And I literally called my father that evening and said, Hey, I just, I'm working on my application and uh, I'm going to serve in the Peace Corps. My father was not a fan. <laughs> um, was not a fan when I first announced it <laughs> at age 10, was not a fan when I was announced it at the age of 21. Um, 
And uh, he told me he didn't think it was a good use of taxpayer money and um, not, not a fan. And I said, okay, I wasn't asking for permission. I was just informing you. And I, uh, sure enough, I, I was accepted. And um, I know that for me, when something is um, meant to be, I feel calm. So I'm not necessarily a decisive person. Um, I can't figure out what to have for lunch, but the big things in my life, like what's to do next, who to marry, whether I'm having children or not, these big things in my life, I just know. And then I feel calm. And so I've been so fortunate that big things in my life, like the things I just mentioned, have sort of announced themselves and I have been calm and I've been receptive and embraceive. And so, um, that's how it was with my peace application. I applied that October of 1991. And by spring, I had been sent an invitation. I believe I still have that invitation and my welcome packet in my attic in a box um, with other important documents. <laughs> and um, so I then I graduated with my undergraduate degree in sociology from uh, UCSD in 90, in May, of, uh, well, June of 1992. And then I I reported for service in August of 1992. So it's just been 30 years since I um, I did that. And that's been the most meaningful service experience. I've done other service and I continue to do service as an adult. That's, that's the thing. And I know that that's really important to make that point because I think the sooner we introduce folks, children to service and, 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 and then create those opportunities and ask folks to volunteer, share those opportunities, um, the sooner you do it, the more likely you are to do it for longer, because once you do it, um, I think we become hooked, whether it's whether it's small local projects or whether it's big international um, stuff. Uh, I've had the benefit of doing a variety of things, and I mm-hmm. I still derive pleasure and meaning from doing it. And it shapes who I am and, and it has informed how I want to be in the world. Yeah, you're completely right on that. I mean. Um, I talk about this a lot in terms of the research and the research is very clear, no matter what the service is, if, if a young person gets involved in service right away, they're almost guaranteed to continue to be volunteering into their adult life, be more civically engaged and so forth and so on. And to your point about not asking for permission Mm -hmm. when a youth volunteer, be it you know, elementary K through 12 or college or whatever, if it's a decision that they made and a service project that they decided, this is what I want to do. They're even more likely to continue to do it because they have that agency. Yes. So let's talk more about the Peace Corps experience. Where where, uh, did you serve? Mm -hmm. And uh, tell me about some of the experiences you had there. Sure. So I, um, I served in the Dominican Republic in the Caribbean and I was in the, in the education sector. So I think that at the time the position was um, called a community education promoter. So I was not teaching. I was not in a classroom. I was there to promote and support um, an educational system on the ground. And so I was in a small village in the central part of the country. We had a, about 400 people, about a, maybe about 100 houses, um, a slow moving river, a dusty road. That was it. And some houses along the roads. And um, it was 
like nothing I had experienced. And it was, and still is really, I think the most transformation. Well, okay. Parenting is the most transformational. I will say that fast forward that whole slogan about the toughest job you'll ever love, like parenting hands down, although, you know, it's not a job. It's just a, it's just an everyday thing, but uh, I don't know. I've got, I've got three kids. Some days it's a job. Yes. Oh no. I, I have three children as well, which is why I say it totally beats the Peace Corps slogan about the toughest job you'll ever love because parenting. So in terms of transformational, it's right up there with parenting, um, transformational. So, um, so Dominican Republic, I report in there in, uh, August of 1992. Um, and I have to say this about, well, Peace Corps and, and where it was then and where it is now as an agency, but they've, I think that they have, continued to evolve and improve their uh and as you would hope their um their recruitment but they're 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 very intentional and careful now people actually can select where you can serve now at the time you just you put your name in the sorting hat and you just said hey i'm willing to go you know put me where you think i'd be i'd be best right um and i had a bachelor's degree in sociology and a double minor in latin american studies and history a whole lot of passion and not a lot of skills so what are you going to do with that? Right. Mm. So anyway, it's kind of, I'm in, I'm, I'm in this village and there is orientation. There are three months of in-service training in Peace Corps, uh, pre-service training, actually it's called PSD. And um, so we learn about culture. We learn about living in the country. We learn about, um, oh, techniques to facilitate groups and, and work with educators. Um, we literally were using anything and everything to develop didactic materials. I mean, everything from saving your bottle caps to make a sh- makeshift math games to little Maggie uh, bullion cubes that used to come in these little tiny boxes, almost like the size of matchbooks. You know, we, I used to collect, you know, used to collect those and, and glue a, like a, a newspaper article or a map or a picture. And then with a the knife, you know, cut it apart. So that was a jigsaw puzzle. I mean, we just, we made, we had to make our own materials, right? to teach teachers to then use for kids. Um, so I moved to this community after three months in, of, of pre-service in country. And gosh, you just don't know how little you know. <laughs> in, in <laughs> life. And you're just like, like, what am I supposed to do there? But, you know, we uh, Peace Corps selects a, a counterpart for you. And so I had a counterpart. And, and really, I, I work primarily with um, forming a PTA group or a, a PTO group, depending on what part of the country, a parent teacher association or organization. I worked with youth and um, with women's group as well. The idea was to set up systems that might support um, the education in the village. Uh, my village, again, population about 400. They had a two room schoolhouse and it, and kids went to school through fourth grade. After that, uh, most worked and uh, that the boys in the field or the girls would be either be married or, or work for their parents. And um, a few would go to a high school that would have to leave. And so if there was any financial wealth in the community, those kids left and then went on, but very, very few of that. Um, so, so worked with teachers to develop um, educational games and to address um environmental challenges that were coming and are still here are, are here now, I should say, um, worked with women's group. I think that for me, 
the, the probably the place that felt the safest was working with women's groups. I mean, I, I wasn't going to go and talk to farmers. I wasn't in ag as a sector, but I also had, you know, nothing, nothing there for them. Um, I do believe and have continued to do the kind of work that educates and empowers women, young women and, and women of, of all ages across the spectrum. Um, so, uh, so that to me was the, a natural fit and everything from income generating projects, you know, raising baby goats that would make more baby goats that could be sold and then more baby goats. Right. But that was an income generating project. And mm-hmm. the women were very savvy and very well organized. And um, as we know, and this is, um, I don't have the figure, but in, inter- you know, in, in international development, and, and I think maybe we can see that even in the States, when you invest in women, women invest in their communities. And so, um, it's it's not always the case that when men earn money, they invest in the community. I mean, they do, and I'm not. It's not a, a you know a blanket diss on men, but what I saw and what I know the research bears out is that women continue to invest in their community, sure. whether it's in health, whether it's in education, um, and you know whether it's in each other and their familial ties. And so, for me, that's a place of interest, and it's also a place that of uh, of motivation. I want to be part of that kind of investment. So working with youth group and, and young women to this day, I'm in contact with um, a woman who at the time was my best friend. And um, to, yeah. So it, it, seeing what's possible for women um, is both challenging and, um, and still a motivator. So in terms of how long you were in the DR how long was your service after the orientation and the right. training before? Right. So Peace Corps is a 27 month commitment. It's three months of pre-service training. Then it's two years once you take your oath. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll say I was shy of that. I had a medical um, evacuation. So I didn't see that full uh, two year term. Um, some folks extend. So, but for, for folks who are curious about Peace Corps, it's a 27 month commitment. Um, and Peace Corps has a, and this is another way in which Peace Corps has evolved that I think is healthy. It has moved toward really thinking about that first year as um, the cultural adjustment period. They're they're not yeah. so caught up in what you're accomplishing um, as much as are you integrating, right? Are you so that that matters, and that that was really important, so that we're not worried about outcomes in that first year um, or even projects. It's really, have you made connections? Do you, you know, do you understand language, the culture? Can you communicate? Uh, have you built trust, right? With, with, with people in your community. And um, some folks live with host families. Other people live individually, it depends on their, their country and their, their specific site. Um, I started out by living with a family and, um, and then I did, live ind- independently, which was hard to come by in a, in a community that doesn't have a lot of, as we would say, housing stock. Let's just say there mm-hmm. just weren't a lot, of, a lot of shacks available at the time, but I did eventually get one. And um, that was, I understood that was bucking the norm because I was a, you know, I was a 22 year old woman living alone. And that culturally that was not um, appropriate. And yet I, made certain things clear. And I will say, because I had native language proficiency, mm. I had the benefit of being able to um, 
communicate clearly and express myself. And so, you know, I, I was all in and I was so interested in the service and, and having them drive what they wanted and what was possible. So it wasn't me having ideas for them, but me wanting to, um, to help them advance their goals. That, that I was set on. I did have three little things that I threw out when I very first went to meet my community. I said, I'd, I'd like to live alone. I don't eat meat. And I'm not likely to go to church with you. And I was like, those are the three things. Like, otherwise I'm in, I'm on board, but I needed to claim something um, that was mine that I could protect. And so the living alone um, was both challenging for security reasons, actually, uh, and, and just for lack of housing, but, but was, I knew I would need some space that was just mm-hmm. mine. And so I was fortunate that eventually I was able to do that and had a lovely little little shack. And um, I'm not a meat eater. I never was. So I wanted to put that out there right away because I didn't want them to try to go out of their way to impress me mm-hmm. by providing meat. Meat is not a, was not and really turn, having to offend them by, right, denying by, by denying it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was like, these are just three things. Right. And then I knew that if I went to church once, I would be expected to go to church every Sunday. And while I'm not opposed to church and I was happy to attend special events and festivals, I didn't want to set myself up for sure an expectation. And those were just three little ways in which I wanted to assert myself. But other than that, I was all in, wanted to learn their culture, wanted to be immersed and wanted to be active within. Um, so, so Peace Corps is very good about giving you that time, that space and encouraging you to make those connections. Because at the end of the day, Peace Corps' mission is really about promoting um goodwill and friendship right it's actually not the development agency for the u.s government that would be usaid right so peace corps is really about promoting goodwill and friendship and it's about relationships um and it's it's meant to be a cross-cultural experience right and so the idea that i would be learning and gaining from my time and experience and connection to them is as important as the fact that they may learn and benefit and gain something from being exposed to and, and welcoming me in their community. Um, and part of this podcast, so thank you for the opportunity, is to bring back that message, to, to share with others what it's like to live and serve alongside folks from other countries and other perspectives. And I still feel indebted to my village in the Dominican Republic um, for all the ways in which they've made my life better and the ways I think that I'm trying to make all of that worthwhile for in the world is to continue to invest in service, right? Which is why I do the work I do now, right? Preparing, engaging future volunteers through our Peace Corps prep program at Western Illinois University and through conversations with lots of folks. Um, but then also providing opportunities for folks who come back from Peace Corps, like the, the Peace Corps Fellows Program and AmeriCorps Service, um, so that service will continue to happen. Because at the end of the day, I may not have had the impact I wanted on that particular village, but I hope to engage others to continue to do service um, so that many more villages can be touched. So I'm going to have you connect the dots here in a minute between your Peace Corps service and what you do now. But before we do that, is there any other experiences or thoughts or just things that continue to kind of pop up in your head about that time you spent in Peace Corps that you want to share? I, I will say that for me, it was 
such an important time. It may have had to do with where I was. I mean, again, I was recently graduated from college. So I'm, you know, I'm 22. I'm super still open to the world. Um, it, because I was open to the world and because I was still so curious, I mean, I, I think now about how like bright and shiny and young I was um, at the time. And I think that that's a, actually a great time to do this work. And it's never, I mean, again, it's never too late to, never too late to apply to Peace Corps. So I, I, we, I served with people who were in their eighties at the time. Um, but for me, that time was really important because I was, um, still so receptive and it allowed me to really put myself outside my comfort zone. And I had, again, in many ways, just been raised in comfort. Um, you know, had plenty of, plenty of challenges in my, in my life. But, um, so it was also a good time to get away from, from, from some of that and give myself time to sort of grow and evolve. But it just informed me in such a way that it is still, um, I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to fully realize what's possible because of that opportunity. Um, Dominicans were fabulous. The culture is warm and welcoming and loud and funny and tragic and all of that right it just it just all of it is there it's so real that experience is so real if you allow yourself to be in it um I met my husband there that was awesome we've been together the 30 years we I mean I'm that was transformative met him the first week of my service he was giving a gardening workshop to trainees it was on composting so that's sexy stuff and uh, <laughs> you have three kids and all of that's peace corp. So I'll do the goats and composting. And here we yeah, are. Yeah. And here we are <laughs> in the Midwest. Was, yeah. Well, so was he in peace corps as well too, or there for yeah, a different reason? Yeah. He'd be, no, he, he was a, he was a year ahead of me in his service. Uh, so he was a 91, 93, I was 92, 94 cohort and uh, we overlapped and uh, yeah, he was providing uh, peer leadership to my, my, cohort that had just arrived so yeah i have a feeling uh, and we see this in americorps as well too i have a feeling that happens a lot that the uh, folks who serve together tend to stick together more not only just relationship wise Mm -hmm. um well you know um significant other relationship wise but just friendships in general we see that connection being made absolutely in fact i'm i'm fortunate here here at, um, in Macomb at Western, where, where I, you know, so I'm working, I work at Western University and, um, we had a really tight community of returned Peace Corps volunteers, mm-hmm. RPCVs. And, um, we actually had John, my husband, John, John and I had two friends that we served with in Peace Corps, um, or who have moved to Macomb and lived here. And so some, you know, one of them is a faculty member at Western. Another was, um, was here at school, um, John's best friend. I mean, our, our lived with our family, um, just the, the connections are lifelong. Um, we lost Sean to suicide. So that mm-hmm. is a tragic loss and our life was better for having known him. And we met him through Peace Corps. The first person John met in Peace Corps in training like in the elevator. Right. And so um, 
those are lifelong relationships. I'm, I'm dear friends with another couple that served peace in Peace Corps there. Um, they didn't serve in the Dominican Republic, but they, they served in Guatemala as a married couple and also in the early 90s. And because the connection, we don't have to have served in the same country, but because the service is sure. so deep and challenging and meaningful and rewarding, there is a shared experience regardless of where you served and when you served. Part of the reasons I think I I can bond so easily and care so much about the, the, the fellows in my program, the graduate students in my program, is because um, there's there's a shared experience. And there's a shared experience with anybody who has served. You know, if, if you're engaged in meaningful service, whether it is in your community or in, you know, a cu- country or somewhere else around the world, if you're truly committed, there's a shared language there there's 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 something that we understand about each other that i still see today well and peace corps is such a a small group even though it's been around for over 50 years uh correct me if i'm wrong but it's only been about a quarter million people who have served uh yes yes and that that wasn't the plan in fact um i remember you know just in terms of like Peace Corps history and Peace Corps just celebrated its 60th anniversary in, mm-hmm. in 2021. Uh, in fact, just last week or so, Peace Corps just celebrated what would be its 61st sort of the, the launching of Peace Corps, the JFK um, comments that he made in, in Michigan to college students about forming the Peace Corps. That all happened um, in October of, of uh, 60. And then Peace Corps was formed in 61 in March. Um, so, and I, uh, so I, and I, I already forgot your the, the question about Peace Corps and its service. So I'm so sorry. Well, it wasn't really a question. It was just, you know, the, uh, the idea that service brings people together. I think oh, that yes. absolutely is universal, but you all as Peace Corps, uh, return Peace Corps members share a certain experience that not many people have shared and like I, I yes in terms of not many I, I, the original experience and that's what i was going to say in terms mm-hmm. of its history thank you the original experience was that there would be more funding available that comes down to funding right more funding in a federal program yes <laughs> exactly right the, the original intent was at least from um sergeant shriver and um and his group that was really helping operationalize, I mean, take this idea on on the ground was that it would be an exchange and that, and that there would be folks from other countries also coming to the States um, to, to help serve, to share, to bring their expertise, technical uh, assistant experience. And, and that we would send more people uh, over time uh, for any number of reasons, none of which I am, you know, can actually speak to that didn't happen. The government didn't fund it at that level and the government did not make it a reciprocal program. So the U S government chose not to invite and welcome others to share their experience with us, but rather to some only send young, you know, Americans overseas. So um, it evolved in the way that it has. So it has remained small. And I think it, I want to say back in March of 2020, when the, global evacuation of, of Peace Corps volunteers took place in response to COVID, something like 7,500 volunteers um, mm-hmm. came back. And so at any given time, I think somewhere in that 7,000 to 7,500 volunteers are serving or were serving mm-hmm. um, prior to the pandemic. It's only now slowly, uh, Peace Corps is only now slowly putting volunteers 
back in countries um, overseas, and it'll take a while to re to rebuild those numbers, and that that really has to do with health and security concerns. Sure. I actually I worked with a Peace Corps member who was stationed in Ukraine. Mm-hmm and was evacuated in 2020 and it was a very abrupt evacuation once they finally made the call that um that covid was uh not going to be going away anytime soon they pulled them out it was very abrupt and yeah um yeah i'll I'll say this our our uh, graduate fellowship program uh grew rather quickly in response to that because (laughs) i literally received we were pretty much closing our recruitment window and, and I immediately received emails and, and texts and folks reaching out saying, oh my gosh, I've just been evacuated. Is it, is it too late? Can I still apply? And, and I, I literally made the, the decision to stretch and, and consider more applicants, which mm-hmm. then turned into inviting more, more students into the program in response to that, um, because there were so many folks back in the States scrambling to figure out what next and, and, um, and their service, they didn't want to end their service. Right. And so, um, this allows, you know, our program is allows folks to yes, pursue a master's degree, but also, um, and maybe more importantly to this conversation also allows them to continue to serve. And to apply their skills and mm-hmm. their academic preparation and their experiences to serve stateside and specifically in Illinois and in rural communities in Illinois. And so I, uh, it's not like our needs here had gone down. And so when there were more folks returning and interested in doing this, this work and, and this service, I, I stretched and we grew and we accommodated that. So connect the dots there. How does somebody fresh out of college who then goes to the Dominican Republic for two years wind up in Macomb, Illinois, at the, <laughs> at the Harvard of the Midwest. And I say, I say this lovingly because I am a graduate of Western as well. How does somebody wind up in Macomb, Illinois for yeah. the better part of 30 years? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so that's the thing. Yeah. Remember I was coming from Southern California. From La Jolla, exactly. that's what, in, La Jolla, I mean, in fact, know, I mean, it's. When you go from Southern California, the Caribbean, of course, the next step is the cornfields of Macomb. Right, because I had to check that off. Uh, yeah, no, that was never what I understood was my life plan. Um, but but remember when I said earlier that for me, the big, the big decisions aren't actually decisions. When they arise and my body gets calm and open and it all feels right, I trust that. Um, it's so, so, so that happened. And it also is related to connecting dots. It's related to the fact that I met my, I met uh, my husband, John Curtis there. And so John was raised in Wisconsin, but his grandparents are from Macomb. And so mm-hmm. he's got one set of grandparents that are farmers, multiple generations of farmers in McDonough County. And the other set of grandparents are, are actually from Tennessee, but made their career at Western University as a faculty member. And, and, and his grandmother was an educator. So his parents grew up here. He had a connection. He had family. He had land. John was an agricultural volunteer in Peace Corps. So he really was on the ground, growing stuff, learning, learning, learning so much. Um, and was, was, and is committed to, um, you know, uh, a healthy stewardship of the land and, and making living on the land, not as, you know, 
toxic and detrimental as, as we have made it. So, so he was interested in coming back and being on his grandparents' land to make it, uh, make it short. And so I, we were interested in being together. And, um, so that's how we ended up here. We, we first came back, um, went to, to, to Wisconsin. We're there for about a year. Um, first time I lived in snow especially coming from the Caribbean wake up call. <laughs> that was, that was awesome. And and then we made our way here. And, and I actually, I came through this program. So this program is Western Illinois university has mm-hmm. a graduate fellowship program for return Peace Corps volunteers. It's a Coverdell fellowship program. It's one of the benefits of service in Peace Corps is that uh, Peace Corps has gone out of its way to make um relationships, partnerships with universities across the country who will provide some financial benefit and some support and some continued service opportunity for returned Peace Corps volunteers. And so Western Illinois University had just launched its um, Peace Corps Fellows program at the time in the mid-90s. And I was in the second cohort of fellows. So I um, I came back to the States and then started graduate school in, nine, in fall of 95. And it was just a new thing. And I knew, I knew graduate school was in my future. I actually thought a doctorate in sociology was in my future. Um, that's not what happened, but I remained open to those other possibilities. And so here I am doing this work. Um, but so that's how we end up in Macomb. Uh, John has family here and to us, community matters. We decided that we would choose to be together and choose to be where we had family and access to to land and to support s- systems so that we could do the work we wanted to do in the world and that we would find and or create those opportunities for work and school wherever we were. This is, just happens to be where John's family was. And so this is where we made that commitment. Uh, WIU's program was a great fit for me. So I went through the program as a fellow, served, um, I pursued my degree in, in geography. At the time, the fellows program offered three possible degrees, uh, and a master's in economics, an MBA, or a master's in geography. Coming from sociology, the geography department seemed like the best fit, uh, you know, people on the planet. Um, and, and so I, um, I pursued my degree through that. And, um, then I served in Illinois. I, my, my internship, my, my internship was in the village of Cambridge, Illinois. Um, so bedroom community to Quad Cities um, County seat in, in Henry County. So I, I did that. Um, my service was there. We were not yet an AmeriCorps program, um, much to my chagrin, because that Ed Award would have been awesome. And uh, the program <laughs> became an AmeriCorps um, program. Shortly thereafter, I want to say it was like 97 or 98, um, and AmeriCorps, I think, was a, a direct program. So the idea that just in terms of connecting dots, I make it to the Midwest, given John's family and, and connections here. I pursue graduate school because that's a, an opportunity I want to pursue for myself. Have this opportunity to bring my Peace Corps experience and my commitment to continued education and service through Western's um Peace Corps Fellows Program, and we're we're committed to staying in the area, so we stay. Um, John pursues a master's degree at Western, not through this program, through through edu- the education department, and um, we start to build our 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 life here. 
I'll say that the opportunity to continue to serve is integral to one, my interest in the program, but specifically to the success of Western's program. When, when we, and it, it wasn't me, it was a predecessor in my program, Tom, Tom Anderson, um, when he applied for the funding to be an AmeriCorps state and national program, that was essential for the benefit and strength of our graduate fellowship program because we were offering we were already offering return peace Corps volunteers this opportunity to do school and um, to pursue a degree and to apply their skills. Again, I, I did this, the same thing that our members do now. I did one year of graduate course working in Macomb, 20 hours a week as a graduate assistant on, on local projects. The second year, I'm, I'm living and serving in a small rural village in Illinois. That's the model of our program. I'm helping them lead and implement their community development, um, high priority action Items, you know, and so we, we do all of that. Once we added, once the program added the layer of that second year being uh, AmeriCorps service, there was just a peak in interest because there's a peak in benefits. I mean, it was, it was that Ed Award piece makes it um, just a little bit more um, interesting to those of us who carry student debt. And um, again, I, I missed out. I didn't, you know, I came through the program before it was AmeriCorps funded, but we became a uh, WIU became a an AmeriCorps State and National Program. Two thousand three was the first grant I joined in two thousand four um, as part of the the transition in leadership, and so I really came on at the very beginning of that AmeriCorps grant. In fact, I, I believe that AmeriCorps grant is actually how they funded my position in terms of the administrative piece to be able to shadow because I, I overlapped with the original management team for a full year before mm-hmm. they peeled off, right? They, somebody moved to a different project, somebody retired, somebody went on to graduate school. And so I, I was able to overlap for a full year. The AmeriCorps funding made that possible. And then I've been on the ground managing our program. Yes. As a Coverdell program for return peace for volunteers, and this transparent added layer of AmeriCorps support and the benefit of its network. And I've seen that network grow and strengthen really both deepen and widen in terms of a presence. And literally in my 18 years, it has, you know, initially it was part of what we, you know, we were doing and there was just less awareness. And and in those 18 years, it's, it's grown significantly. Um, and, you know, your time in Illinois was a, a big part of helping make that happen. Telling stories like you're doing now. I'm not surprised you're continuing to do this work in this way because sharing the stories makes more people aware. And 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 the more people that are aware, the more the conversation is happening. And then the, the more we attract and the more we retain. Um, I mean, recruitment is no good if there isn't a solid something to retain folks. There's always the three R's of volunteerism, yes. recruitment, yes. retention, and recognition. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're essential. And, and that's, that's true. That's true in academic recruitment. That's true. I think in, in, in work life, that's true with volunteer in the volunteer sector. I have seen that to, to be essential. And when you miss one of those R's, when you miss one of those legs in the three-legged stool, you're, you're weaker, right? Your, your future and your sustainability is, um, more vulnerable. So we, we're talking a lot about AmeriCorps. And for those who may not know AmeriCorps, we refer to AmeriCorps lovingly as the Domestic Peace Corps. So mm-hmm. as you mentioned, 
somebody for Peace Corps will be deployed for two years uh, in another country. With AmeriCorps, you have usually uh, about a year where you serve in country in the United States. And as you mentioned, get an education award while you're serving, as well as for most AmeriCorps members receiving a minimal stipend while you're serving as well, too. Nothing really to write home about, but hopefully it's enough to keep the lights on. Yeah. And then the educational award currently for a full-time member is $6,495 that you can use to pay off student loan debt or pay for school you haven't taken yet. Or if you're over 55, you can transfer it to a child, grandchild, or foster child. So we talked about how you are in uh, a rare group of folks who have mm-hmm. served in Peace Corps, but you're even more rare in the fact that you have served in Peace Corps and managed AmeriCorps members. Yes. So in your experience, what are some of the the differences and what are some of the um, uh, things that are shared between the two programs? Sure. Um, great question. Let me think about that for a moment, gather my thoughts. I think, uh, I, I think some obvious, um, well, the, the most obvious difference is it's, is, the, the, the where the service takes place and the how long it lasts, right? So again, as you mentioned, Peace Corps is international uh, service and uh, AmeriCorps is, is national, uh, you know, on U.S. soil. Um, so so that that being the big difference, also the time commitment. I will say that that 27-month service commitment with Peace Corps, again, three months of pre-service training in your host country before you then take your oath your, of service and then, and then serve your 24 months. Um, that 27 month commitment is, I think, essential for Peace Corps. In some ways, two years is not even enough because that first year, you're just doing all the learning. I mean, you're trying to make connections, all of those things. So that the second year, you may actually be in a place where you can effectively um, facilitate projects and, and help move some things forward because ultimately we are supposed to be trying to do some of that, 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 that providing that technical assistance to host country nationals, which is the, the term U.S. gives um, those folks. So that two years is essential for that. On the AmeriCorps side, there are more options. There's everything from a summer, right? There's like, there's the minimum time service, there's quarter time service. And, and, and I, AmeriCorps has added more options, you know, sort of chopped up the service year into smaller pieces, um, if you will. And so you can do that again, minimum time, quarter time, half time. I think there's like a reduced half time. And then there's a, then there's um, three quarter time and, and full time. So all, more options in terms of the the amount of time you're serving. Um, and again, it's national, it's state said. So it allows folks to serve in their own communities, literally in their own communities or in another community, but still in, in the US. And so those are two differences. And I see pros and cons to both. Again, I think that the two years is essential in Peace Corps. I think that that makes sense given the language and cultural piece. I think it's excellent that AmeriCorps offers itty bitty service uh, time slots and then and then a longer um, time slots and it does allow folks to serve multiple years and so I do have you know our, our members our AmeriCorps members do have the opportunity to that first year in our graduate program can be serving as half time members um, for that twenty hour a week graduate assistantship that they're already doing our program already offered that and so uh, it allows them to blend that with part-time AmeriCorps service. And then that second year in a program, it's full-time community-based internship. That's the full-time AmeriCorps assignment. So I like the 
that fact that AmeriCorps allows folks to serve again, because again, um, there's some, some depth there. And, and what I see is, you know, the more you serve, the more you learn about it. So the better you are as you continue, right. And the more you have to offer and to give. Um, so, so those two being the differences, the, the length of time and the, the location where the service takes place, uh, beyond that, I think that the similarities are there. I want to say like most things, we're more similar than we are different as people, I think. I, and my international living and, and serving abroad has confirmed that for me. Um, so I think that service is our common experience and our, and our shared language. And so um, people, people are motivated to serve for many reasons. And I will say this, that I had a, I think a narrow understanding of why people serve when I first started service. And I was taken aback when I remember meeting and talking to other Peace Corps volunteers in terms of why they were there. And that it hadn't occurred to me, occurred to me that, you know, somebody's motivation would be so different from my own. Um, and that was good. That was good for me to think, oh, right, we can be doing this good work side by side, but we're here for different reasons. And so, um, so I think that that is good. At the end of the day, we are all still there and we all wanted to, to serve and to make a difference and to show up. And so, um, that is a shared piece. The willingness to put yourself in a situation where your efforts might be for the good of somebody else and ideally a greater good. Right. And so I, I think that sentiment is shared and, um, is what really bonds us, bonds us together. Um, I do think that there is a, by, by AmeriCorps offering lots of bit, itty bitty service opportunities, um, and it being national service provides an opportunity that Peace Corps, um, I think maybe misses out on some folks. It's a, this is about the who gets to serve, right? You, you have to start out in a privileged position almost to, to show up for that kind of service, right? So when you, the, the facts are that the Peace Corps is committed to changing this. And I've seen it change over time. AmeriCorps is committed to changing this. And I've, I'm seeing change in my time there as well. But when it's um, certain socioeconomic groups and certain, um, and let's just say, more white kids from liberal colleges apply to Peace Corps than not, right? That's who's that's who Same gets AmeriCorps. To, that's who gets to take mm-hmm. two years to do that, right? That's who gets to do that. And so those two agencies, like I said, are doing this and need to do more of what are some of those barriers so that we can have a more uh diverse uh, core and and what can we do to um prepare and identify and support folks so that they can take that time to serve without it being a hit, um, such a hit financially to them, but more importantly to their families, because depending on the on the individual and the, the group that they're, you know, coming from, they're not just providing for themselves, potentially they're providing for others. And so I, I do see, and in that sense, AmeriCorps' smaller, you know, shorter terms of service and closer to home creates an opportunity that Peace Corps doesn't have in terms of keeping, bringing a more diverse group of people uh, to the service table, if you will. But even there we see that it's, it's, you still have to be in a certain pl- 
position to be able to do that. And um, I've met with lots of undergraduate students at Western who are interested in in serving in Peace Corps um, or and or AmeriCorps. But the idea that that they wouldn't be contributing financially to their family's well-being or addressing their student debt or other commitments is is too great a burden and they they don't pursue the application because of that. Um, and that's often when we really do have that conversation about if you really want to serve and you want this leadership opportunity and the service opportunity, let's look at what an, what AmeriCorps position might be a good fit for you, whether it's through my program or somewhere else, right? Um, we, we want more people to, we want more people to get to serve because we know the benefits are lifelong for everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's definitely an issue with Peace Corps and AmeriCorps. Uh, I've seen it throughout my time. You've just said you've seen it throughout your time. It is not a, we, we like to say anyone can serve and that's, you know, the key goal, mm-hmm. but not anyone can serve. And it's not just Peace Corps and AmeriCorps, it's volunteerism right. in general. Right. More often than not, the communities that people serve in do not have the representation in that volunteer corps because they're having to go through whatever experience they're going through. And that is making it almost impossible to get to have the ability and the time and the experience and the everything to get into that service realm. So I think this is an issue that we face in the service field yes. across the board. And it's an issue we have to tackle more and we have to be less afraid to talk about it. Right. We, we have to be very, very honest with ourselves that if we want to go into say um extremely rural community or a very urban community. We need folks serving that represent that community. And yeah. that is, that's, that is how we're going to make the biggest impact, right. but um, it is a tough nut to crack. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, I, I, I have seen gains and I see intentional mm-hmm. planning and that matters because intentionality matters. It, it just it all takes so much darn time. Uh, yeah. But it's about people, right? That I mean, development work is that, right? And so uh, I always say the best thing about development work is it's people. The hardest thing about development work is the people. <laughs> I am also glad you brought up the less than full-time positions because a good friend of mine who I think you've met before, Tom Brannon, was one mm-hmm. of the, the people who really pushed for that 1,200-hour uh, slot and got that through Congress. And I think uh, yeah. he doesn't get the praise for that enough because it's a huge win for AmeriCorps. Yes. And he doesn't know this yet because I haven't asked him, but um, when he listens to this, he will be on this show. So he doesn't that, get a choice. That's excellent. So. That, well, <laughs> and, and a thank you. And a thank you there, Tom, because I literally, we, our program literally has been able to recruit because of our, because of the academic year, our graduate student, you know, for some people um, in that academic, that eight or nine month, year they they were put you know they were pushing you can't fit finish a full time 1700 hour commitment in that time and yet the summer may be obligated for other reasons and so having that 1200 hour um, Mm -hmm. option has allowed us to attract and retain solid AmeriCorps members for whom that time commitment makes sense and allows them to, to do more than the halftime, but not quite that full. Anyhow, all of those options, yes. I think, I think are good. 
So I really do appreciate the time. And I, I, I bet you have a lot more that you can share. So this oh. probably won't be the last time. But Happy is you. there one parting piece of wisdom? What would you want to share with somebody who maybe hasn't made the commitment yet to volunteer, whether it be, you know, just going to, to a local food pantry and serving or deciding to take two years out of their life and go mm-hmm. into another country. What would you say to that person about why they should get involved? I think for me, service has been the most life affirming choice I've ever made. It is uh, again, my Peace Corps service was transformative. Uh, I'll say this. It's not that it, it um, it's not so much that it made me who I am. It has shown me who I want to become. And it challenges me to continue mm-hmm. to show up in that way. And um, it's not about what I do. It's about who I am becoming still. And so it is just, it is life affirming. It puts you in direct contact with others in a meaningful way. We have to be willing to be vulnerable um, so that we can connect with others. We need to be on, on, um, on a level playing field. And so it's, it's, it's life affirming. I, it, I, I, it's the best thing you could do for yourself while doing hopefully some good for others. We, we, all, we all need it. We need each other. We need to show up in this way. Thank you so much for that. And um, I completely agree. And thank you so much for your time as well, too. And more importantly, thank you for your service that you have done and that you continue to do. Um, Likewise. Likewise. This is so much fun. And thank you for doing this. This is great. We all sharing stories as, you know, hearing each other's stories. Thank you. I'm so excited that you're doing this. I'm so excited that um, you're continuing to serve and in leadership roles in, in the ways that you are. So I look forward to our, our continuing uh, contact and, and professional relationship in this in this work together. Thank you, Scott. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this volunteer life. Please be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and leave a review. You can visit thisvolunteerlife.com to find all our social media accounts, find all the volunteer stories, submit your volunteer story and find a volunteer opportunity in your neck of the woods. The opening closing theme was Fighter by OG's Not Again, available on Bixabay. Thank you, and we'll talk soon.